at the end of the day, I think that's really what matters where we all help, help each other out. And when we're judged at, at the end of our life, you know, how many people you help, I think will be a, a good measurement of your life. Welcome to The Producer Mindset, where we interview industry leaders about entrepreneurship, marketing, business development, and overall what it takes to run a successful business in, but not exclusive to, the real estate industry in today's age. Welcome to another episode of The Producer Mindset. Today, our guest is Sal Pinella from Neighborhood Home Loans. Uh, we came across Sal Pinella actually in our most recent trip over to San Diego for Narab at Latitude, where he was uh, one of the top 10 Latino lenders in the entire country. Uh, he has been working in the real estate industry for quite some time. Uh, his ability to serve the Hispanic community has been able to help him get the growth and the success that he's gotten. His commitment to ensure that the best interests of his clients and those that he seeks to work with is unbiased and his consultation is top priority. There's a bunch of accolades that we could go ahead and mention about Saul Pinella here, but we'll just go ahead and ask him ourselves. We're going to get to learn a little bit more about him, about what he believes makes him successful and how he plans on continuing to grow and develop not just his business, but his personal brand and really establish himself as this go-to market leader. So without further ado, let me Go ahead and welcome Saul Pinella. Saul, welcome to the Producer Mindset, man. Um, we're glad to have you here. I had yeah, absolutely. I had mentioned in my in the intro that you know the way that we came across you was through the Narab Top 250, and you are on the top 10 of that list. So I'm pretty sure one doesn't just get there uh, through, say, a paid sponsorship. One gets <laughs> to work. Uh, and commitment and success, right? So, you know, one of the main questions that we always ask our guests whenever they join us on this podcast is, one day you were born and then next thing you know, you're on this podcast talking to us. Um, so would love for you to give us kind of a brief synopsis of who you are, uh, what's brought you this far, and obviously just get to know you a little bit better, man. No, absolutely. Thanks again, guys, for the opportunity to be here and share a little bit about the story. Uh, you know, I grew up, I was born in Chicago. I, I grew up there, I grew up here for a few years. And I think what really sh helped shape a lot of my character and, and ethic is I, I did grow up in Mexico. Uh, we moved down there around the age of seven, eight years old. And we spent about five years out there. So a, a good portion of uh, that childhood where you really get to <clears throat> experience some great times growing up. And I think uh, being part of the culture down there and seeing um, the, the standards of living and how people work really uh, put a good imprint on my character and helped shape the, the rest of my life. Uh, came back to the United States right before high school. Uh, I went to the University of Illinois. After that, upon graduating, my father uh, got pretty ill with cancer. so. Uh, I had to kind of step up and help my mom with, you know, the mortgage and bills. And the current job that I had right after college, you know, wasn't going to cut it. So I had a good friend that lured me into the mortgage business. He said he was doing great. I took a leap of faith, didn't know anything. 
jumped into it around the year 2002. Uh, I had to do a lot of studying at night, learning all the subprime guidelines and uh, different lenders. Uh, but you know, with the grace of God, we we got through those tough times and been doing mortgages ever since. We've seen, uh, experienced a lot of the highs and lows, and there was uh, a lot of dark years during the past 20 years of doing mortgages. Um, but I always kept the faith and and persistency of following through and keeping my dream alive of helping people. That's awesome, man. So let me ask you this. Um, as, you're, as, you, as you and your dad, you know, like, or like you see him go through these things, uh, which I'm sorry to hear about that, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that probably was a defining moment for you. How did that change the way that you were thinking um, your mindset or at least like what did that do to your character and your habits to the point where you said okay like I need to do something about this well I think I I didn't focus so much on what I wanted right but on what I needed to do to uh, help the family okay. so I uh, <clears throat> there, there was a lot of sacrifice because you know friends are going out and traveling and having a great time. Uh, I had to focus on, on learning and sacrificing through those years of trying to get through and and, and uh, maintaining the, the lifestyle we had before. I was a young kid, I was like 22, 23. And uh, at the beginning it was a lot of pressure, but we, we uh, managed to get through it. So I, I get a little choked up when I think, think about those times, so. It's good. Um, I think it's it's good to it's it's always better to when you've been winning and you're now in a position that you're in, you get to seriously think back and look back and like analyze how, how much change, how much growth you've gone through, and obviously all the all the hardships maybe that you know stood in your way to where you're at today, all the sacrifices, you know. So it's really good to see that. Yeah, and I, that's what I share with a lot of the the, the younger generation. That's getting into the mortgage business, uh, a lot of times they want success, boom, 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 right away, right? They wanna go from closing 10 loans a year to closing 100 without putting in your time. And there's always a learning curve that you have to go through and some hardship to make you stronger. If everything is handed to you, that's where you get a little complacent and not realize uh, the hard work it takes to keep consistent year after year. That's crazy. So it's 2002, you started in 2002. What was it like kind of going through? I mean, we're in 2020, 2022 today. So what's up with, uh, tell us about the times during kind of the, the financial crisis of 08, 09, or I guess 07 through 09, kind of what, what happened? Um, and how are you, how are you still here today? During those times we did have a, I had two partners that we opened up, uh, a small mortgage broker uh, uh, company, and we had a lot of friends and family that worked there. You know, a lot of a lot of friends from college. My brother was there, cousin, and you know, during that time, a lot of those guys, you know, they joined us because we were, you know, all excited about starting a new venture. And then a few years later, this hits, and you know, I really took it to heart because they gave up their regular full-time jobs to join us. And, you know, we weren't able to come through for them when we closed down. 
so during that time, you know, we were writing loans and then you get an email after email, this next bank is shutting down. We have loans there. Now we have to call clients with the bad news and you know, we can't do your loan. There's no more <laughs> lending available. Right. Uh, luckily, we, we were able to survive a few months during the crisis. Uh, I had to take a second job. I was writing insurance. Uh, to kind of get a steady paycheck. So I was doing loans and then also uh, working at an insurance company, you know, selling life insurance, home life, auto. Uh, so I had to do what I had to do to keep keep afloat. Uh, we ended up closing our company. And at that time it was kind of re a relief or a blessing in disguise because uh, we might've held on to it too long and once it was closed, I could just focus on originating loans and not worrying about keeping payroll or expenses. Um, but that incurred a lot of debts. You know, we bought a lot of properties during that time. Uh, you know, I had to go through bankruptcy. Uh, so there was times with, you know, very, very little money in the bank to, to do anything much, but, um, I thought about, you know, leaving the industry during that time. I had a lot of people tell me, you come get a, you know, a regular job, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So we stuck with it and, you know, a lot of praying, a lot of reading books when you hit rock bottom and that uh, kept me strong throughout those times. And, you know, I'm grateful that I kept with it. That's really awesome. And, you know, uh, there's times when you feel like things are you're just down and out um and it's those are really defining moments i think for for every individual what is what would you say when you when you were in in that in that rut per se how did apart from like what books were you reading uh what were some of the things that you were listening to or even thinking to get yourself back up and begin all over it's uh an audio called the strangest secret uh, where, you know, it goes, it talks about hardship and keeping a, a card with you at all times. I thought I had it right here, but, you know, having a Matthew 7, 7, reading it over and over again, uh, listening, uh, reading books. I read a lot of, um, the monk who sold his Ferrari, uh, the greatest salesman in the, in the world, a lot of OG Mandino stuff. A lot of a lot of that stuff I would have never came across uh, if I didn't get that hardship, and I still read a lot. I mean, well, I should say Audible now, right? Because on the road or at the office, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Wayne Dyer books, uh, John Maxwell, so a little bit of everything. I love it. That's um, you know, one thing that just to kind of let you know, our a lot of our audience is. You know, we have a lot of people that have been in the industry for a while. We've had some people on here that are just, you know, titans in the industry. But we do have a lot of people that are younger in the industry and, you know, maybe weren't around during those times. And what's kind of one piece, uh, one anecdote that you can kind of leave with someone that's maybe new in the industry, um, having gone through such adversity in 2008 and 2009? I think sometimes we might overcomplicate the actual steps needed to succeed. I, I think uh, from my experience, I kind of discovered key things as being consistent every day. 
having discipline and being willing to, to learn. So being consistent is, uh, what I take that into effect is, uh, you know, if you're gonna update realtors every day, make sure you do it whenever you speak to a new lead they give you, you have to call and update. You have to keep that consistent because I think what, a lot of things that real estate partners want from a lender is if I'm giving you a lead to call, I want to get updated whether you talk to them or not. Right. Sometimes we get, we might get lazy and say, well, I'll, I'll update the realtor whenever I get a pre-approval done, mm -hmm. but you know, keeping consistent and just letting them know this is where we're at. Um, being consistent with your clients of updating them throughout the process, keeping consistent of uh, being to work early every day and really dedicating yourself to serving people. Uh, you know, our job is to serve as a mortgage lender, I think to serve the real estate uh, agents, the attorneys, the clients, our underwriters, you always wanna be courteous and uh, attentive to everyone's uh, needs. Uh, we're no one bigger than, than anyone else. So I think a lot of times some lenders may say, well, you know, we'll, we'll get back to them tomorrow, but we've got to be empathetic and put ourselves in their shoes. Absolutely. Uh, discipline, I think <clears throat> being able to say no to things like staying out late, going out for drinks. And I say that from experience because I've been through that and it, it doesn't help you. I think when I really hit my stride is when I was really able to focus on those things of being consistent, disciplined, and always uh, trying to learn new things. Because when you're on the phone with someone and they ask you a question, you want to be confident. You want to be uh, responding right away and not sounding that you have doubts or I'll get back to you. Hey there, really quick before we dive into today's podcast, would you do us a favor and rate and share this podcast? That would help us out tremendously for blowing this thing up. We're not really big on asking for these types of things, but we really want to expand and be able to bring on more cool people like today's guest. If you can take a minute, it only takes a minute. That would be great. All right, let's get to it. With the amount of experience that you've had in mind, you know, going over the past 20 years, going into this market in particular, what do you believe are the attributes that successful lenders, realtors should have in order to not just continue going through this current market, but actually growing within the market? I think your mindset has to be really uh, positive because there's so much negative talk right now about rates being high, multiple offers, people not wanting to buy. Uh, and when you express that feeling with, with uh, your buyers, you know, they're gonna be discouraged. There's always positive, you know, buying a house, regardless of the market, if you're paying rent, it's always a positive thing to buy a house instead, creating your wealth. So you have to be able to share uh, the positive impact that you're gonna have for you, not only yourself, for your future, for your family. Uh, you have to be, you know, up to date with, with all the new programs out there, uh, down payment assistance programs, things that could set you apart with helping families, uh, being able to structure 
purchases with you know seller credits, combining with down payment assistance. Uh, I think as agents, also knowing, you know, being ahead of the, the curve with with showing, being more active with with clients of looking for properties that might fit their needs instead of just putting them on an automatic feed. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a disservice to a lot of buyers because uh, a lot of times that automatic feed might not be, you know, if there's a, a, the automatic feed might just focus on one certain city, but maybe a block away, which is a different city, there's a perfect house for them. So little mm -hmm. things like that, I think, uh, we need to go above and beyond in this market. There's a lot of competition. So we have to kind of separate ourselves and the way I always think of separating ourselves. Uh, there's a great book by uh, called The Carpenter and it speaks about serving with love. Uh, not focusing on what you're gonna make per transaction, just focusing on, on helping people and serving them. And at the end of the day, you'll be uh, rewarded. That's very That's cool. amazing. So I kind of want to dive into kind of, you know, the transition from, you know, you're selling insurance, uh, you know, after after the crash, can you talk about the transition from going from insurance, you know, kind of splitting your time and splitting your focus um, to dedicating yourself 100% back to your business and kind of just the trajectory of the the business that you've developed because you have some, you know, you're, you're closing a lot of loans, it's, you know, you're building an amazing business. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear some insight as far as like, who are the first people that you, you know, had assist you, you know, and kind of just talk about the structure and the trajectory starting from, you know, the beginning till now. Yeah, it's uh, great questions. So when I was doing insurance and mortgages, luckily with the insurance part, I had a, like a mobile laptop that they gave me. So I was able to work out of the mortgage office and then run up quotes to do the insurance. And I was helping a lot of clients that were buying a house at the time. Uh, so that kind of was, a, it was an easy sell doing their auto home. Uh, but it was tough to maintain uh, both jobs at once because the insurance did have more requirements. Say you gotta hit certain quotas every month. Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta sell a certain number of investments. If not, we're gonna, you know, get rid of you because we're paying you a, a base salary plus some commission. So I was able to survive that for, for a year. And, you know, that was a lot, a lot of hours being worked. I was probably working about 12 to 14 hours a day during that time. And I, I held on to it as long as I could. And once I left the insurance uh, back to the mortgages, which I was always doing, but now focused full, 100% full-time. I I got um, blessed at working at a company that the owner also had a real estate office. So I met a lot of agents there. Uh, I did end up leaving that company and I kept a relationship with a lot of the agents. Uh, that previous company had closed. So at the new company I went to, which I've been there now for about 10 years, I was able to keep a lot of those real estate uh, relationships. And when I started at the new company, I really had that dream of, of getting a team because I would have months where I close 14 maybe, and then the next month dip back down to seven. 
just because I would get bogged down with trying to close those loans in the pipeline when, whenever it got pretty large. And the next month I had a kind of a hangover because I didn't do enough to prospect for new business. So the solution was, what do I need? I need someone that's smart, uh, reliable, and has a little bit of mortgage experience. I didn't want someone already with a lot of mortgage experience because people might have bad habits. Right, absolutely. So I found, yeah, I found a great girl, which she's still with us at, at, uh, on the team. She was helping collect conditions, uh, running the loan through like automated underwriting, uh, a lot of the, the front end stuff, which left me a lot of time with, you know, speaking with meeting with real estate agents or calling borrowers and providing better customer service. So that helped grow the business. And then I added uh, a second person, which would help more on the marketing side, attend closings, take like a gift basket, uh, sending updates to all parties. Uh, as we continue to grow, then I needed more help keeping up with the leads. So I added um, a loan officer, a licensed loan officer. So now we have four loan officers on the team to help with appointments and they're growing their business as well. Uh, but it all happened because, you know, everyone that's that started working took the, you know, they had faith in me and I had faith in them and we all worked together and they've all grown uh, together and which is, you know, really great feeling because they're able to support their family and at the end of the day, I think that's really what matters where we all help, help each other out. And when we're judged at the, at the end of our life, you know, how many people you help, I think will be a, a good measurement of your life. That's well said. And as you were, as you've been growing your business, as you've helped others uh, within your team uh, grow their business, as you've helped families and people get into their homes and things as such, what did you believe uh, to be true when you were getting when you were getting started, uh, you know, in your career? Really, what did you believe to be true that would make you a successful loan officer um, that isn't true today? When I first started, they at the company they kind of uh, spoke about being flashy, go buy an expensive car, expensive watch, a fancy suit. Uh, at the end of the day, that really doesn't have any any uh, say in, in how you succeed as in the mortgage industry. Because you could have all of that and still be kind of a crappy person. Exactly. Or, or you know, you could buy all that, but not you know, living paycheck to paycheck. So, yeah. right. Absolutely. So, That's really cool. I mean, growing a team, being a leader in the industry. That, that requires a lot of discipline, right? And and a lot of kind of juggling and kind of building the plane while you're flying. And Michael and I have absolutely experienced that over the past three and a half years of us being in business. And one thing that we kind of hold each other accountable of is uh, always trying to strengthen our discipline. And what's kind of one piece of advice and kind of your, um, your interaction with you know, staying disciplined with your time management and kind of how do you go about your day so that you are able to, you know, add as much value as possible and help as many families as possible? The biggest key, I think, is waking up early. Uh, waking up early, getting to your office 
uh, with enough time to go through your emails, have your coffee. That way, by the time 8, 8.30 or 8 a.m. rolls around, you're ready to go. I'm ready to go make things happen. No distractions. Uh, email eats up a lot of time. So getting that out of the way first, getting your setting up when you get into the office, uh, I think that saves a lot of time and puts us in the right, right mindset where we're being more uh, proactive instead of reactive. I love it. Very and, good. Sorry, one, one more thing on my end. Um, so we, you know, building a team has been has been a, a tall task and finding the right people and making sure that they are bought in with your vision and aligned with your ultimate goal. It sounds like you're a man of faith. And I know that you, you know, with that comes a certain level of integrity that you have within your business and you carry yourself a different way um, that maybe other people. Um, how do you get your team bought in? And how do you make sure that everyone is going in the same direction at the end of the day? You know, <laughs> that that's always a challenge. But again, like um, a couple people on the team, the uh, one of the original girls that started, she brought on her sister. So it was kind of the same character, right? Mm -hmm. So I already knew that we they had the right uh, upbringing, the right mindset, uh, hardworking very, very honest and ethical, very uh, supportive in being a team member, mm -hmm. no selfish, they're not selfish at all. Uh, then I brought on my cousin as a loan officer. Same thing, I know all my life, we worked together for a long number of years. If I ask him for something, he's gonna, you know, more than willing to cooperate, same vice versa. We're always here to support each other. Mm -hmm. uh, another, He's kind of a cousin. Uh, we've known each other for pretty much all our lives. He joined the team as well. Uh, so it's been a close-knit group. Other peop new people that came in, uh, they were not family or, or, or friends that we've known. Uh, kind of had that sixth sense. I, I, I want to say sixth sense, but I think I, I'm a pretty good judge of character. Um, and just from the initial conversation, uh, I, I always follow my, my heart and my gut, whether this person's gonna be a good fit. You know, we've been lucky. We maybe had uh, one girl left because she got married and had kids and she was gonna be at home mom. Uh, but other than that, really no one's uh, that's joined the team has left. Uh, you know, we try to do some activities together. We have daily meetings. Now with COVID, it's a little hard for everyone to get because some people started working from home, but we still try to do Zoom calls every morning at 9 a.m. to go over the day of what we got planned. Nice. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's great. And the last question I personally have is currently, are there any people that you look to, you listen to, any mentors? anyone that you draw some sort of inspiration um, from and how do you apply what this person or people might say the way they think to your life to your business and your character i listened a lot to uh i i kind of joined some of their training programs with robin sharma so he's he speaks a lot about 
really expecting ex excellence from your craft, uh, serving people, doing good. Um, it's a lot hard. It's a lot harder to do good than you know to be bad. So when someone says something derogatory about you on an email during a transaction, or someone gets upset, it takes a lot more strength to let it pass and and let them know that you're here on, on their side. So I, I think I get a lot of inspiration from, from Robin Sharma's uh, classes that he has online and uh, audios that I listen to almost every day. Very cool. It. Cool. Well, um, you know, this is one of those things for us in particular as we're growing and building a business is constantly learning and looking to see how other leaders in the industry and people really take their vision, bring it to life, and obviously continue to grow, continue to succeed. I want to personally congratulate you again on being on those top 10 uh, of the NARAP 250. Thank um, you. What do you have planned for 2023? <laughs> uh, we want to become recession-proof. So regardless of the market, we want to make sure that we always uh, improve every day. Uh, we really, uh, you know, on one of my cards, I'm trying to look for that book that I have. On the back of it, I, I have, uh, of the prayer, I have uh, that I'll be closing 40 loans per month. So that's always the goal to shoot for. And I, I read that every day. I have it here on my cell phone. So as a reminder, try to, try to get the subconscious working mysteriously somehow. I love it. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, thank you so much. So um, where can people find you online? Uh, my website is saulpinela.com. Uh, that's uh, where they could find me there, apply for uh, online uh, application or on Facebook, uh, just uh, Saul Pinela team. Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you being part of this podcast. And of course, we look forward to seeing how going into 2023, Saul and team conquer becoming recession proof <laughs> you know so that'll be that'll be cool to see that's going to be a great video and example for a lot of people i believe all right thanks so, guys i really enjoyed the time yeah, of course thank you so man. much thank you